Boss Lady is sponsored by Fraser & Dieter, a top 50 accounting and advisory firm that has been repeatedly named a best firm for women in leadership. Fraser & Dieter is proud to support programming for women executives and entrepreneurs. Learn more at fd.cpa. We'd also like to thank Every, a leading supplier of gaming, entertainment products, and technology solutions for the casino and digital gaming industry. Hey, boss lady, did you really need that college degree? I'm Christy Atwater. And I'm Andrea Gigline, and this is Hey, Boss Lady. And our guest today would say, mm, no, she doesn't think so. In fact, Missy Young is the chief information officer at Switch, an international company and leader in next generation technology systems. And it took a lot more than a college degree for her to get there. We'll find out what Missy has to say about higher education and talk about what it takes to really make it in the C-suite to in the technology industry. But first, I have to say, it really gave me pause knowing how many letters I have after my name and how many letters you have after your name. It made me think, did I really value higher education or was there another reason why I have those letters after my name? What do you think, Christy? Yeah, I have to say that I felt like the odds were stacked against me, so I needed to get all those certifications to kind of prove I could be in the room. Right, and I, right. I often wonder if that's holding young women back these days because yeah. they want to check all the boxes yeah. and maybe they don't need to. Maybe they should just dive in. Well, I had actually an older woman in my life who was a neighbor who had a doctorate in education. And when I was debating, oh, should I get this? Should I get this? She said to me, hey, listen, Andrea, people automatically assume you're smarter when you have a PhD. But really what it says is that you're more persistent because the smartest people drop out of the program. And I said, oh, okay, that's fair. <laughs> yeah, so let's meet our guest. Missy, welcome to Hey Boss Lady. Thank you so much for having me here. This is awesome. I'm super excited to have you because, as you probably know, my company, um, Every, is a company that um, does business with you. But yes. I want you to explain your company to a, to a layperson because it, it's extremely fascinating. Thanks. And it is a little bit difficult to comprehend because I have one of those jobs that most people don't know exists. Right. So what Switch does is we design, build, and operate the world's most powerful data centers. So what that means is we build, we construct these massive fortresses with resilient power, resilient cooling, redundant connectivity, military security, and inside of it, companies like yours will run all of their computers in order to uh, function all the time. So if you want to pay for something using PayPal, PayPal's working because it's running at Switch. Wow. So we essentially provide uptime for a very large chunk of the internet. Yeah, can you name a few customers? Because oh, sure. <laughs> oh, it's really it's really interesting. Sure. So a uh, brief customer list is um, Amazon, Google, Microsoft, Disney, Sony, HP, Dell, Intel, Qualcomm, Broadcom, uh, lots of hospitals and healthcare companies. So Eli Lilly, Amgen, Dignity Health, St. Joseph's Healthcare okay. System. Okay, we so get on. we get yeah. the feel. Now tell us what's your role. <laughs> so now that you're a you basically control the world. <laughs> Tell us what your role in controlling the world is. Sure. So I am the chief information officer, or CIO for short. And so I, uh, I help to run the company in a variety of ways, uh, but, but most importantly, helping get 
the message of what Switch does out to the world, helping Got people it. understand. Because we do have over 700 patents on our technology, wow. uh, all invented by our CEO and founder Rob Roy. Yeah, and I so read this that. is yes, yeah. this is That's what keeps amazing. us at the, at the forefront of, of our of our industry. Uh, so helping people understand all of those patents is part of my job. Really, and you got into the business how? Well, so back in the mid-90s, so I had been in college for a while. I had had six different majors and could never decide what it was I wanted to do. And my father said, well, you've always been good with computers. You know, that, that's kind of becoming a <laughs> thing. Right. And so I said, that's a good idea. And so I went and got some tech certifications. So I got certified in Cisco, Microsoft, Novell, and A+. And then I got hired by a woman uh, two days after finishing my last certification who that's wanted awesome. to give other women a chance to get into the technology industry. Wow. And so this was in Southern California. Beautiful. And other than than myself and her, I didn't. I knew no other women in tech. Yeah, yeah. And she mentored me for a couple of months, but then she left to go to another company, and uh, was she was replaced by a man who initially told me on his I think it was his third day on the job that women are not engineers and you don't belong here, honey. <laughs> oh, wow. With the honey. little pat on the shoulder <laughs> thing, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. So I said, but but I have all the same qualifications as the guys. You know why mm -hmm. why shouldn't I be here? And he says women should be at home. So, yeah. So, so then began his campaign to try to make me quit. And so he would give me the worst assignments in like Compton and Inglewood and Watts and some of the most gang ridden areas sure. of L.A. So here I am, this little white girl driving around this big white van full of millions of dollars of gear, you know, going and installing all this technology equipment at these small businesses. And I always said, wow, I might get shot, but I'm not going to quit. That guy is not going <laughs> to run me out. Yay. You know, not today. And so, you know, and I think people do not understand that type of determination unless they can breathe it. When someone puts a challenge to you and, and tries to question your ability to do a job against a piece of paper or a bunch of letters, I think that you know, that really puts the stake in the ground. So if I'm right, actually, a whole lot of the luminaries and founders of tech in general don't have degrees. That's correct, including our CEO and founder, Rob Roy. I mean, you do not have to have a degree to go into technology. If you're going to become a, do a doctor or a lawyer or something like that, that is something where you have to have a, a college degree. That's a specific career path. But for tech, I think we do a giant disservice to kids today when we ask them, hey, what do you want to be when you grow up? Mm -hmm. Because a lot of these kids are going to have jobs that haven't even been invented yet. So Correct. give them, you know, have them get enough education to get started and see where that takes them. And, you know, your father did something that is the thing that we know to do in psychology and human development today. He had observed, you know, Missy, you're really good with computers. Why don't you do that? We are appreciating that if you observe the strengths, and there's ways for us to test it, obviously, but if, observe the strengths and direct your child. I do this with the adults. Direct them to their greatest strengths, and it is amazing what, what they can create. That's so true, yeah. so true. But it takes very observant adults and those who have the empathy to encourage the kids to point out the things that they're good at and encourage them to follow and explore those paths and then also to give them the tools with which to do that. Because if you say, hey, you're really good at so-and-so, but you don't say, if you really want to explore that, here's a class you could take or here's a group you could join, here's a club that, that does that. You know, if Correct. you don't point them in the direction of how they can explore that path, then then it's kind of not helping. 
Yeah, and absolutely, like, a credit to your father for bringing that out in you. He could have said, you're at the end. Like, why do you keep changing degrees? You're not going to make it, you know. Mm -hmm. Instead, he was like, you're really good at this. Why don't you do that? And still be super encouraging and really helped you along. Yeah, that's right. And then he made the the suggestion, but then my mother did the very important part of paying for me to go to (laughs) to these, these classes so that I could actually get the tech certifications. Yeah, so, I mean, you know, CSN, College of Southern Nevada, has tons of tech pro- uh, certification programs. And so young kids can go into these certification classes and come out with certifications that are immediately current and maybe spend a couple thousand dollars and be immediately employable. So it's one thing not to have a college degree, but talk to me because this is my love. Talk to me about the non-technical skills that you feel you needed or what you learned along the way when it comes to non-technical skills. Oh, man, I was really deficient in empathy. <laughs> I was I was just a total, total Tell us about that. loser yes. when it came to empathy. Uh, I was not gifted with that and because I'm a, I'm a very type A personality. I'm an eight on the Enneagram, if you ever look at those okay. things. And, you know, so challenger, you know, attack the obstacle, go, go, go. And uh, part of my challenge was I always assumed everyone else had the same mentality. Mm-hmm. And so as I as I grew and became a leader and was managing people, I didn't quite understand why they had so many feelings about everything. <laughs> okay, so that was a little hard for me. And so Rob, my CEO, who's also my mentor, started coming into my office after meetings and saying, hey, do you have any idea how you made that person feel when you said what you said? Uh-huh. And I would be like, huh? Like, uh-huh. what? What are you talking mm-hmm. about? You know, mm-hmm. and he would explain. And I said, well, why are they so sensitive? He said, no. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> you know, he's because he's very gifted with empathy. And so he would essentially, he started holding up a mirror to me to see how my words and my actions were impacting all the people around me. So I, I began a campaign, a journey to learn how to be empathetic. And I learned that it is a skill you can learn. Uh-huh. Yes. Even if you're not born with it, you're not gifted with it. Correct. That's okay. You can learn it just like any other skill. So I, I, that would be my biggest advice to leaders out there is to learn empathy if you don't already have it. And to prove Missy's point that it can be taught. In the late 80s, I actually did my master's thesis on um, a, a survey on empathy mm. and women and if they had to change behavior. And in order for me to do, to create the survey, I had to look up the definition of what empathy was because I was clueless. Mm. I was just being told that supposedly this was an important leadership because I too was an A-type. I too am an eight. I, I In the Enneagram, I'm a three, eight, seven. Challengers unite. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so we have the privilege of having Christy who comes to the party though, very empathetic. And I think that's one of the things for our listeners to understand. Learn skills, just like certifications in tech, give you the pathway. Behavioral skills, you can learn, actually set the path. Because, Christy, you've done a pretty good job of that. I I sometimes think I'm too empathetic, right? Um, But you all just helped me with my husband, who was a fighter pilot and is probably an eight (laughs) on the... And they, too, have talked to him about empathy in his Mm -hmm. past careers. So I'm... I'm glad that it can be learned. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I also think what a great mentor um, your CEO was that oh, he's boy. willing to work with you on that because I don't know that I would know how to teach someone how to do that. Yeah, it's it's definitely a gift that he possesses. And he's also 
he's such a good leader in that he doesn't ever want to leave any of us mired in yeah. or getting stuck in a you know in a, in a place where he knows we could evolve from. But evolving in empathy or any other soft skill takes commitment and it takes humility because you have to be willing to to look at yourself and say, okay, this this part I have to fix. You know, this mm-hmm. part of my behavior is hurting other people. And, and you know, to have that, that self-awareness and to do that self-analysis and then actually work on those tools. You know, and I, you know, I can't say I always get it right even now, but I'm certainly... 10 times more aware of it. Correct. And I, you know, I think about an email, I review it, you know, six or seven times before I send it, if there's a chance it could impact someone's feelings. And I have a couple people on my team that are like my lifeline, like I'll send them the draft. I'm like, how does this sound? You know, <laughs> is it too, is it too harsh? Or is it too, right. or am I not getting the point? You know, and so if, if you are working with other leaders who are also in this journey, then it's really great when you can help each other out. Leadership is a team sport. Yeah, that's a credit to you and your team. Yeah. So after the break, We'll talk more about that because that the integration, you know, you've you've really uh, hit us with the fact that it doesn't matter if you have a college degree necessarily, but do get the training. So when we come back, we want to know how you've been supporting tech training with what you've learned as a person. You're listening to Hey Boss Lady. I'm Andrea Gigline. And I'm Christy Atwater. Our podcast is all about women leaders how they got there, and what they're doing to make a difference. Tiffany R. Warren, an executive at Sony Music, is one of our guests. She talks about her work to foster racial equality. I honestly see this time as a culmination of, you know, the the, the, the phrase that has caught popularity in the last year and a half, um, or even longer, but um, our ancestors' wildest dream. Yes. You know, I don't yes. take lightly that what has happened recently is, really a direct result of the hard work of people that have come before me, not 50 years, but 100, 200, 300 Correct, years sure. ago. Mm-hmm. And so this is a really beautiful time. I look at, it as a, look at it as a time where everyone has come to the table. Before it was sort of me constantly inviting people to the table yes. for change. And now everyone is sitting there with me. Join us for their stories here at Hey Boss Lady. You can find us wherever you download your podcasts. And please rate and share our podcast with your friends. Thanks for listening. Hey Boss Lady is sponsored by Fraser and Dieter, a top 50 accounting and advisory firm that has been repeatedly named a best firm for women in leadership. Fraser and Dieter is proud to support programming for women executives and entrepreneurs. Learn more at fd.cpa. We'd also like to thank Every, a leading supplier of gaming, entertainment products, and technology solutions for the casino and digital gaming industry. I'm Andrea Gigline. And I'm Christy Atwater, and this is Hey Boss Lady. We've been talking with Missy Young, Chief Information Officer of Switch and a leading international company in next-generation technology innovations. Missy, pick up where you left us off on the softer skills. You know, because everybody thinks of the machines and the tech industry in general, and I know Christy and I want you to talk about this, it it has as bad a reputation around women as the worst. I would say we've interviewed people on the gaming industry. Like there are mm-hmm. some industries that really stick out as bad, bad, bad <laughs> when it comes to women. Tech's right up there. Just it, in numbers, right? Yeah. And it should be. Yeah. Because it, there's still a long way to go in tech. My company is is really unique in that half of our leadership team is female. Uh, we hire a very large percentage of our employees are veterans. And mm-hmm. our company is, is uh, 47% non-white. 
Wow. So we, we've had a that's focus. Awesome. We've had a focus on diversity and inclusion from the beginning, but that's not the case in the vast majority of the tech world. Correct. So um, there's still times today when I'll walk into a meeting with a company and there are nine men around the very large conference room table mm-hmm. and. One of the men will get up and come over and shake my hand and introduce himself, and then he'll kind of look past me out the door and and then look back at me and say, is it just you? Oh, <laughs> wow. With a smile. I mean, he's being mm-hmm. nice, but like, is, are you the only one who's coming? And I and I said, yes. Is it just the nine of you? Because yes. <laughs> Good now, for you. now we're evenly matched. Let's, yes. let's talk. You know, so you can... You can Handle that with humor Correct. To, po- to point out, you know, what, what just happened, but without beating them over the head with it. Because I think you can you can make your point and you can be a strong leader as a female without being a bull in a china shop. So I also want to prove back the theory that's been proven over and over again that diversity leads to success in a company. Why don't you talk about the growth your company has, if you can, or, or something <clears throat> that shows the measurement of, you know, when you focus on diversity, you do tend to be more successful? Well, I, I definitely believe that that's true because uh, we've been focusing on diversity and inclusion from the start. So we mm-hmm. have voices from, from all types at the table. Uh, and I think because of that, you know, our company is growing so fast, we can barely get the buildings built fast enough to handle the demand, which is a great challenge to have, right? right. But yeah. uh, So we're, we're currently building new facilities in Las Vegas, in Reno, and Atlanta because we just cannot get them built fast enough. And we build really fast, but even, even we just can't hardly satisfy the demand because the internet is not going away. Correct. Oh, no. <laughs> it's really not. Yeah, our dependence on it is growing more and more and more. You know, I just realized the other day I got annoyed when I was shopping online because it asked, it wouldn't take, this site didn't take PayPal and I had to go downstairs to get my credit card and I'm like, annoyed that I had oh, to go yes. downstairs to get it. And I'm like, wait a minute. I just shopped online from the comfort of my own home Correct. in my pajamas and yeah. I'm annoyed because I have to go downstairs to get my credit card. Like that's how dependent we've all become. And I'm with you. I know that I'm with you on that. Yep. So we, we make sure that when we uh, have open job recs that we have diverse people applying for the jobs. And we have heard so many tech companies say, well, we just we don't have a diverse workforce because we just don't get the applicants. Mm-hmm. There's a pipeline issue. And they sort of point the finger at the pipeline issue and then they stop. They're done. Right. And that's not enough. Correct. You have to invest in, in things that will change the pipeline. So one of the things that we do is we heavily invest in FIRST Robotics in every state in which we operate. And so oh. FIRST Robotics is a fantastic organization. It was created by a guy named Dean Kamen, and Dean Kamen uh, invented the Segway, um, um, among a bunch of other things. Yep, he's a brilliant inventor. And First Robotics uh, is a competitive team where kids in schools form these competitive teams, and they build these robots that have to compete. Uh, And so they have to learn mechanical engineering, programming, electrical engineering. They have to form almost like a small business around this. So they have to raise money in order to finance their trips Mm -hmm. and to buy the kit of parts for the robot. And so it just teaches them all of these wonderful things. Um, But when they go to the competitions, they're also judged on their gracious professionalism. Oh, I love that. So how cool is that? And so you have all these teams that even though they're competing with each other, they're also helping each other. So it's just the coolest thing. It's like NASCAR, but with robots. I mean, it's lots of high, loud music. It's high energy. It's totally fun. But so First Robotics, out of the, I don't know, 30 or 40,000 kids in the U.S. that are in it, 90% of them are economically disadvantaged. So they're on free or reduced lunch. 83% of them are minorities and 47% of them are female. 
And so that's how you change the pipeline. That's how you do it. And so it's not enough to just point and say, oh, there's a pipeline issue. And so we're off the hook because they're just not applying. No, do something about it. Invest in these kids. Right. Mm -hmm. So that that's, you know, one of the ways in which people can can instead of just, you know, not doing anything. No, there's lots of things you can do in the community to affect that. What I'm wondering is, do you see any mistakes that you see young women make in yes. careers that hold them back? And <laughs> that was quick. Yes. <laughs> so and, and elaborate. Please explain. Yes. And I have seen this in my my friends. I have seen this. You know, if there's an open job an open job rack, a a man will look at that open job rack and look at all the qualifications required, and he'll say, "Oh, I, I have sixty percent of that. I'm going to go mm-hmm. ahead and apply." Women will not apply unless they feel like they have at least 90% of the qualifications. Why is that? See, this goes back to that degree, you know, certification, the the cosmetic off list. But it's a little bit of imposter syndrome. It is. It's a little bit of, um, you know, because, I mean, one of the reasons why I think I never tried to develop empathy growing up in my career was Mm -hmm. because I felt like in order to belong, I had to be one of the guys. Right. In tech, if you are called one of the guys, you know you have made it. Mm-hmm. You know, you're you have a seat at the table finally. Correct. And it's an interesting thing that I've noticed how in group emails, people will send an email to a group of people and say, Hey guys, right. even though some of the people on the email are not guys. Right. But I if, want you to if, know I'm guilty of that. Though. We all are. We all oh, we've all gotten used okay. to that. But if I sent the same email to the same group of people and said, Okay, ladies. Yeah, hey, I guarantee I, and you, I, must say, I would get a negative reaction. I do reaction. something almost worse. I, I, a lot of times, I say, "Okay, boys and girls." I, I actually, well, I mean, I make you know, there, kind there's of kids. different ways you can yeah. do it. But yeah. the point is, especially in tech, we women knew that if we were one of the guys, mm-hmm. we were now included. Exactly. We were part of the team. We had, we had crossed over into we belong territory. Yes, but. Men never had to give that up. Correct. But women made we gave that up, right? We said no, it's okay to be called a guy because that means I belong. Right. I think we need to take that back. You know, yes. and it's a, such a small thing, but you know, instead say, "Hey team" or "Hi all," have "Hello everyone," whatever, but you know, take back that. You know, I've seen guys send an email to a, an entire group of women and say, "Hey guys." Mm-hmm. And then I'll yes. respond and say, "Actually, the only guy on this thread is you." So <laughs> You know, but it's, but it's it's a small thing, but it but by calling that out, we're calling attention to the the things that we women have had to give up in tech in order to mm-hmm. get where we want it to be. And you know, I really appreciate that because everything I, I I deal so much with the impact of language on who you are, you know, where you become, how you how you engage, and what that is a, an excellent point. It, you're heightening our awareness of who am I speaking to so that I begin to see that, in fact, there are all women on this because many times we hold a view that women are not in tech, but yet there are tons of women. If every person on that email, if you have a company that is 47% mm-hmm. female, there are a lot of women in tech, so we have to begin to break down that old story and make sure, as is, which is part of what we try to do with this show, we are trying to spotlight the people who have been there forever. It just so happens they are women. They are people of color who have been there forever, but now we're, we're shifting our own awareness. So with that precursor, what do you think has to continue to change? We, I know that women have to stop underselling themselves. I know that we have to alter the pipeline. What else? What do we have to do? I think the, the biggest challenge for us, the, the thing that we should be most focusing on to overcome, is why do girls drop out of 
STEAM, we call it STEAM, Science, Technology, yes. Engineering, Arts, and Math. Why do they leave that in middle school? Because oh, the, the studies show that yes. boys and girls have the same exact interest in those things in elementary school, but in middle school is where they start to diverge. Interesting. And girls who showed interest in it in, in elementary school start to drift away from that in middle school. Is it the classes? Is it the teachers? Is it the parents? Is it the hormones? I don't know. I don't know right. the answer to that. But that's where we have to change that. Uh, and every uh, December during Computer Science Education Week, we host the Hour of Code at the Innovation Center. So, well, I mean, obviously yes. not during COVID, but every right. other right. year, you know, and we bus kids in and take one hour and teach them all how to code. It's just a language. You're just mm -hmm. learning the language of the computer. And my, you know, the bilingual kids that come in, I tell them, you have a leg up. You already know two languages. Mm -hmm. right. This is just learning another language. So your brain is already wired for this. Mm -hmm. right. And when they hear that, they go, R really? I'm like, yeah, you should get this better than everybody else. You know, and so, but it only takes an hour to teach these kids how to do it. It's amazing how fast they adapt. But when, but the first couple years when we wanted to do this, the school district said, "Okay, we'll send you the kids from the magnet schools, you know, the kids from the STEM oh. schools." And I said, "No, no, 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 they already have access to all right. of this. Send me the kids who don't get this kind of teaching. Correct. Send me those kids." You know, and so then I post about it on social media and a couple teacher friends I know, they said, why, why aren't they doing this in our schools? And I said, I don't know. It's completely free. It's done by code.org. They do it every year. There's all kinds of free software programs in there where you can learn how to code. And she said, one of the teachers said, but I don't know how to do it. I don't know how to teach my kids. I said, okay, do the module. Right. And teach the module. Right. Do the next module, then teach the next module. You know, but, but the, there's not a lot of funding from the school right. district for the for the I mean obviously especially Clark County School District is right. is hugely burdened with not enough funding correct uh, so you know how do we as the community reach in and assist and you know uh, you've also pointed out something when I think of teachers skill set if if I am a teacher male or female and I don't know how to do something if it's not a natural gift or something I had an interest in such as coding and computers in general what is my likelihood of suggesting that to you? So maybe the, you know, part of it is if we could educate, if we could, because this is what they did in positive psychology before they tried to make the teachers teach what it means to implement the processes of positive psychology and the exercises in the classroom, they actually segregated the teachers and took them through a year of personal development and positive psychology. Mm, that's cool. And then they were able to then take it forward. I want to wrap this up and I ask my famous question of what gives you hope for the future? Oh, lots of things give me hope for the future. So one of them is my faith. I have a very strong faith in God, and so that that always keeps me very hopeful. And I have a ton of hope in humanity mm -hmm. because I firmly believe that the vast majority of people out there are good. Mm -hmm. You know, and when I was coming up in my career, for every one person who was a, a challenge or a stumbling block <laughs> for me, there were 10 who wanted to help me. Right. And so that gives me tremendous hope. And I, and I look at all the people out there today who are – confronted with the issues of racism and so and social mm -hmm, right. injustice and all of these things and they're going how can I be better how can I act differently how can I how can I treat people like I want to be treated mm -hmm. and trying to analyze what well, have I been part of the problem how right. do I be part of the solution right those are the things that give me hope is that I just see people around us all the time trying to make not just themselves better but our community better I totally agree Missy thank you so much for joining us today Missy Young is the Chief Information Officer of SWITCH. I'm Andrea Gigline. And I'm Christy Atwater. And this is Hey Boss Lady. 
If you like what you're hearing, please share us with your friends. Boss Lady is sponsored by Fraser and Dieter, a top 50 accounting and advisory firm that has been repeatedly named a best firm for women in leadership. Fraser and Dieter is proud to support programming for women executives and entrepreneurs. Learn more at fd.cpa. We'd also like to thank Every, a leading supplier of gaming, entertainment products, and technology solutions for the casino and digital gaming industry.